Let's turn to Exodus 33, if you will. We're going to come here in just a second. One of the reasons that we really push involvement is not just that people need to be ministered to and uh, not just that we want to glorify God, but there, there's a story in Matthew 25 where Jesus says one day we're all as believers going to stand before him to give account of the way we led our Christian life. And uh, some will hear this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my desire, that every single child of God that I'm able to be an influence on, that they'll stand before God one day and hear, well done. And I've always said, to hear well done, you have to well do. And uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Where are you serving? Where are you ministering? One day we're going to see Jesus in all of his glory, but we're going to see a scarred Jesus from the wounds, from the crucifixion. And we'll look at him and give account of our life. Can you imagine all that Jesus has done for us? And then what are we doing for him? Not out of guilt, but out of his glory that we can bring him glory and praise. So get involved and yeah, see Gary afterward. And we can help you with some of the online material or on site here as well. And if you are watching online, we have areas for you to get involved in as well. So we want you to get connected. There are several areas in the welcome team, the IT, uh, several different aspects that we want to minister to our online community as well. So even if you're not able to come back, it's lately I've been hearing people getting their second shot and saying, you know what, I'm ready to come back. Or now that our nine o'clock service is mask, I'm going to be able to come back. The doctor has released me. We're going to be able to attend. A few weeks ago, it was a sunny day, not like today, not a, not a pretty day outside, right? It was just a beautiful sunny day. And after the service, walking out, and I was like, man, this reminds me of what choice used to be like, you know, people hanging out outside, kids were playing football or something on the grounds out there. And it was like, you know, maybe some of this stuff is kind of ending and getting behind us and we can move into, uh, you know, a little bit of a new normal. And so next Sunday's our Easter service. Um, you may notice around here, we've added a few chairs. We think we're going to have, uh, you know, a, a lot of people in attendance next week. And if you are able to, uh, and you're in this service, we'd love for some of you to try to shift to the earlier service so we can make sure we have plenty of space. And if not, uh, man, come whichever works. But if you're able to, that is our masked uh, service, fully masked. But if you can come to that uh, so we have uh, adequate space for our kids and our adult service, we would really appreciate that as well. Well, look at Exodus 33. All right, we're going to pick up there in just a second. Today, we are concluding a series called The Real God. Seeing God as he longs for you to see him. Chip Ingram, one of my favorite Bible teachers, wrote a book called The Real God. And we've been looking at uh, the topics, the attributes of God. And uh, our theme for the year is simply this. The truth sets us free. The truth sets us free. And we want to learn what does the Bible have to say? What is the biblical truth? Jesus said this, his word is truth. And that's what we're talking about, God's truth. How can we know the truth? But it's not enough just to know the truth. He didn't say, I just want to give you the truth so you can be smarter. He said, the truth sets us free. God wants us to have liberty. My guess is we all are in bondage to something, whether it's a sin or a habit that we can be in bondage to, maybe some unforgiveness that can be in our life. Uh, maybe there's just something you're holding on to or some fear of uncertainty in life. God wants to set us free, and we get that by knowing his word. 
and then by living it out in our daily life. So the truth sets us free. Are you at liberty today in your Christian walk? Are you able to serve God faithfully in a spirit of love, joy, and peace? And how do we accomplish that? How do we gain that freedom? Well, we've got to know the truth first. And so this uh, the, uh, series that we're concluding, The Real God, we've been studying the doctrine of God. It's called theology, theology, the study of God. We've been learning about the characteristics of God or the attributes of God, how God describes himself. We started off by asking ourselves a question, is your God too small? If we try to put God into our image, we want to have uh, God, well, the way I view God is, that's basically idolatry because it doesn't matter how we view God, it's how God describes himself through his word. He has revealed himself through his word. And so we want to know what God has to say about this. And so we began talking about, is our God too small? And we started off in a story in Exodus 33. And so I want to pick up there right where we uh, began. We're going to finish off as well. And, And so in Exodus 33, Verse 18, notice what it said. And he said, this is Moses talking to God, please show me your glory. God, I want to see you as you are. I want to see your glory. I want to see all of your attributes. I want to get to know you better. Then here's what God said. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And that's the first thing we talked about, the goodness of God. He said, I want to see your glory. And he said, here's how you can see my glory. First, that you understand this attribute of the goodness of God. I want you to see my goodness. It's gonna pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Do you remember what God did at that point? He took Moses and put him in the cleft of the rock inside this rock and he said, I'm gonna pass by you and as I pass by you, I'm gonna put my hand over you and so you're not gonna be able to see my face and as I pass by, I'm gonna remove my hand and you can see my glory from the backside. You can't see me and live so I just want you to get a glimpse of really who I am. So in Exodus 34, it's where we're gonna pick up now, look at uh, verse six here, we're gonna see that event unfold. Exodus 34, six, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, and notice how God describes himself, these attributes, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity. And he goes on. And then look at verse 8. For Moses made haste when he saw the glory of God. This is what he did immediately. He didn't just wait and think about it. He made haste. Quickly he did this. He bowed his head toward the earth. And what's the next word? And worshiped. You see, when we see God in his glory, when we see actually God, we will worship him. He is worthy. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a leader. It's not about a politician. It is about God. He worshiped him. Now, I want to back up to verse 6 because there's something that we want to focus on in the message today. And the Lord God passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and notice, abounding in two things, goodness, so we, took, we talked about goodness already, and he's abounding in truth. Another word for truth here is just simply faithfulness. He's saying, I'm abounding in truth, or we could say it this way, God is always faithful. 
He is unfailing. We fail one another. We fail God. We fail ourselves. But God never fails us. And if you've ever been mad at God over a certain circumstance or situation or relationship or why did things go that way, you don't understand the faithfulness of God. God is abounding in truth. The word faithful just simply means this, that God is trustworthy, he's dependable, he's reliable, he is believable. We can trust him because he's trustworthy. We can have faith in him because he is faithful. You see, God is consistent. He's stable. He always follows through. He fulfills his promises, and he keeps his word. This is an attribute of God that takes all the attributes. See, God isn't loving sometimes and sometimes unloving. No, he is faithfully loving, unfailing in love, he says. He's not sometimes good and sometimes bad. He's always good. This idea of the faithfulness of God takes all the attributes of God, and we see that God is consistent. When you study theology, one of the words that they use for this idea of the faithfulness of God is that God is immutable. It means that God never changes. God is consistent. God always does what he says he's going to do. He doesn't change. Now, God does act differently, though. God doesn't always do the same thing. You see, God blesses righteousness. He's faithful about doing that, and there's consequences when we do something wrong. God can change his actions based on our actions, but he's always consistent. The best illustration I can give you is a clock. A clock doesn't always stay the same, but a clock is always consistent. You see, at 12 noon, an accurate clock always has both hands pointing upward, right? At 1 o'clock, it's 1. At 2 o'clock, it's 2. It changes, but it is always consistent. At 12 noon, it always says that it's 12 noon. That's how God is. God is consistent. God does things differently. Even through different generations, God has responded, but God is always consistent. We can always trust him. Now, sometimes we misunderstand this idea of faith. We think of faith, well, I have faith that I'm going to be rich one day. I have faith that I'm going to get married one day. I have faith that my kids are always going to turn out. And we really, that's just simply hope. We hope those things will happen. Faith is, look at Romans 10, 17, it says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith isn't something we work in and of ourselves. It's not something that we want to take place. Faith is simply believing what God said. I can say, well, man, I, I hope uh, you know, when I, that I'm gonna live to 80 years old and I just have faith I'm gonna live to 80 years old but there's no verse in the Bible that says Tim Wilcox will live to 80 years old or 90 or whatever we wanna put on that. That's just simply hope. But there are promises that God gives us and God always keeps his promises. He doesn't always give us what we want, not always what we ask. Well, I'm just gonna have faith he's gonna give it to me. Well, don't have faith in something you're just hoping is gonna take place. Have faith in believing God's word. Faith comes by hearing God's word. Does that make sense? Faith isn't what you work in and of yourself, but it's what God places within you when you understand his word and say, God is always consistent. I am just simply gonna believe what God has to say. I'm gonna take just a a few minutes and instead of just go through one passage as I normally do, I have three simple verses I wanna give to you where God says he is faithful. Three circumstances 
when we can look at the attribute of the faithfulness of God and say, God is working in my life right now. Let me give you the first one. During times of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us how we can deal with temptation. Now look at this verse. During times of temptation, we all are tempted. We all have those opportunities to do the wrong thing. That's what he's talking about in temptation. You have an opportunity to do the wrong thing. You had an opportunity whether to come to church or not to come to church today. You have an opportunity at lunchtime whether you're going to overeat or undereat. You have an opportunity you're going to spend money you don't have or live on a budget, right, all kinds of things. You have all these opportunities in life. You have choices to make. And am I, am I going to make the right choice today? Well, that's what temptation is about. There's always an opportunity to do right and to do that which is wrong. Now look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as such as is common to man. Let me talk about temptation for just a second. Your temptation is not unique to you. Man, there's times in my life I've gone through and I'm like, I don't know if anybody has ever experienced this. When my kids moved out and uh, my grandkids moved away and I'm moving closer to this empty nest and I thought to myself, has anyone else ever gone through the empty nest? I just feel like I'm the only person that's ever done. And uh, at Christmas time when my whole family was together and I, I sat with them and I just started crying. I mean, and I cried. And they looked at me like, who is this guy? This guy doesn't have emotion. What is he showing emotion for? And uh, so next week, Easter, my whole family's coming together. And, the, and uh, they said, Mom, tell Dad he cried for nothing because we're getting back together again. You know, I didn't know when we'd have all our family together. And, and they like to make fun me. That's why I have no emotion, because if I show it, you know, then they make fun of me. Uh, but anyway, I won't confess my, uh, my issues to you. I'll, I'll go to Pastor Steve this week for counseling. But anyway, <laughs> it's not uncommon to you. You say, man, I have this problem, and Satan whispers in your ear, don't tell anybody, because they will think you're weird. They will think you're a pervert. They'll think you are disgusting. They will think you're weak. Don't tell anybody about your flaws. Don't tell your parents, don't tell your spouse, don't tell your youth director, don't tell a pastor, don't go to a counselor. You keep it to yourself. You hold on to it because it's just you. But let me say this. It is common to every one of us, the struggles you're dealing with. You go through some some issues and, man, you feel isolated and alone. How are you going to deal with it? Don't be isolated and alone. Don't hold on to it. That's what Satan in the flesh wants you to do. He wants you to say, man, you're going through this and nobody else understands. And you know what? There may be some people that don't understand, but I can guarantee you there's some people that do understand. And if you can bring it to the light and say, man, I'm dealing with this struggle, that's when healing takes place, not when you hide it in secret. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But look at the next phrase. But God is, what's the next word? Faithful. I think I heard you online there. God is faithful, right? You're not faithful. We have flaws. We fail. We mess up. But God is faithful. God is not looking for you to be perfect. He wants us to lean on the perfect one. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. 
You say, I just can't take it anymore. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with that person. I can't deal with the circumstance. It's just too much. I can't take it anymore. That's not what God says. He said, I am not going to put anything on you that you can't handle. You can handle it. And he says, I, you can bear it, and I will make a way of escape. You feel like nobody else has been there. They have. I mean, Jesus, Hebrews 4 says, he faced the temptations of life, and he's not sitting up on a throne looking down. You say, how could you? Now, he is touched with the infirmities and the weaknesses. He said, man, I've been through that too. I, I dealt with temptation as well, and you can overcome. I'm going to give you a way of escape. You just have to find it. Maybe it's a change of thinking. Maybe it's a change of action. Maybe there's some people you shouldn't be around. Maybe it's getting off electronics. I don't know what the issue would be. But you know what? God wants you to uh, overcome that temptation. Let me say this. Too often in our life, though, we give in to those temptations. How do I deal with God when I have failed, when I've made the wrong choices? Maybe in the same day, there's one sin, two sins, three sins, four sins. How could God ever forgive me? Remember, he's the God. Peter said, how often should I forgive? Seven times in a day? And Jesus said, no, I want you to be more like me, seven times 70. Can you imagine God just forgiving us over and over again? Look at 1 John 1, 9. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably have learned this verse and at least heard this verse. If you're a newer Christian, this is a verse that can be life-changing to you. I encourage you to write it on a note card or uh, put it in your, your phone or whatever and read it regularly because you need this verse because we are tempted at times and God is faithful when we're tempted, but God is also faithful when we fail. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is, what's the next word? See, God is faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do I get the cleansing in my daily life? Well, 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess. God isn't say here, I want you to beat yourself up. I want you to remain in, in uh, isolation. I want you just to feel like a dog for a long period of time. I just want you to, you know, to feel like you are so unworthy. He didn't say that. He said, here's how you get forgiveness of sins. It's not by you beating yourself up. Jesus has already been beat up for us. That's what this Holy Week is about. Jesus went to the cross and died for us. That's what his justice, he is faithful and just. Justice just simply means that Jesus took all of our penalties and placed it on himself, and he took his righteousness and placed it into our account. The moment you trust Jesus as your Savior, and you have to acknowledge, that's what confess means, to agree with God. When you mess up, you don't have to say 20 Hail Marys, you don't have to talk to a priest or a pastor, but here's what you do have to do, confess. Agree with God. Well, God, I sinned because my spouse was acting up. No, that's not agreeing with God. That's blaming somebody else, right? God, I was speeding because everybody else on 95 was speeding. No, no, that's just, you know, that's just blaming somebody else, justifying yourself. Confession is saying, God, you say it's sin. I admit that it's sin. I agree with you, God. And God says, when you come to that point of agreement, I have sinned. Guess what? God is faithful it means he's going to do it over and over and over again and just. So the justice of God was demonstrated through the cross, as Garrett was talking about earlier. Jesus died. He paid 
our sin debt. That's why our holy God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel that we were singing about, while he was in the flesh, died on the cross, and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because your and my sin was placed on Jesus. And that moment in time, God the Father and God the Son were separated because of sin. And he took our sin and he died and he resurrected that we could have cleansing. And when you fail, stop beating yourself up. Stop focusing on those failures. Just simply confess it to God. God, I accept your justice, the payment of the cross. Jesus suffered and died that you and I could have eternal life. Well, I just can't forgive myself. I've been there, like, oh man, yeah, in a trap and some habit just over and over again. I just can't forgive myself. Listen, do we really think that we are more righteous than God? You can't forgive yourself. He has separated our sin from the east to the west, and he will remember it no more. Why in the world would we focus on him? He says something else in chapter 2, verse 1. Sometimes we feel like God's just waiting for us to mess up, and he just wants to you know, cast those lightning bolts or bring judgment on it. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I to you. So John is talking to us, and he says, so that you may not sin. God doesn't want us to sin. God's grace is not an excuse to sin. It's God's goodness and grace that should lead us to repentance. So he said, I don't want you to sin, but if any man sins, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, and who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Wow. When I sin, when I'm going through life, maybe I'm trying to do the right thing, and I fall on my face, and I have failed God. I don't look up to God and he is this uh, in righteous indignation just looking at me and say, Tim, yeah, you did it again. You're so worthless. You're so terrible. You, I, I just can't put up with you anymore. No, the advocate is this father coming beside his children and picking them up. And he cleans us off. You don't lose your salvation when you sin. Yes, sin can put a wedge in our relationship, but he's still there and our loving father picks us up. When your kids mess up, now some guys do this because we're, we're not as godly as our wives, but kids fall down, you're all right, you're not bleeding that bad, just get up, you're okay, you know. What does mom do? They pick, picks up the child, cleans it off, puts a Band-Aid on the boo-boo, right, and all those uh, nice things, and dad's like, you're going to make a sissy out of this kid, right, or whatever, but uh, you know. here's what God does. He is our advocate. He picks us up, and he brushes us off. And he gives us a fresh start. That's what an advocate does. In times of temptation, God is faithful. In times of failure, we're all gonna do it. Go to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, he's faithful and he's gonna forgive. One more area in times of suffering. 1 Peter is a book that was written about suffering. How do we deal with suffering? In 1 Peter chapter 4, in the verses above but what we're not going to read, he says, if you do wrong and suffer for it, big deal. Uh, that's consequences. If you're driving down 95 and you're going 85 and you get pulled over, oh, man, look, I, I just, I'm under uh, Christian persecution, you know, because I, no, no, you just, you, you were speeding and that's the consequences for it, all right? That's just what you get. 
But notice in verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, so you're doing the right thing. You know, we try to do the right thing in life. Suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So what kind of attitude do you have when you do the right thing at work and you're not, not acknowledged for it? You do the right thing at church and nobody thanks you for it. When you do the right thing at home and your family doesn't show any appreciation or whatever, you're doing the right thing. Hey, just bring God glory. Don't have a bad attitude. How can you bring God's glory in those times? Verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first to the believer, what will be the end of those that do not obey the gospel of God? What about those that haven't accepted Jesus? If life judgment and trials are going to come and circumstances come in our life, not because we made bad choices, but that's just part of life. What about the person that hasn't accepted Jesus? Verse 18. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, Where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And then he says in verse 19, therefore, here he's bringing us to a conclusion. When you go through a time of suffering, when circumstances are difficult, when people are difficult, when you're going through something and you don't want to have a good attitude, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Did you see that? It is God's will that you go through trials. Suffer according to the will of God. There are several things that are God's will, and one of them is that you suffer. That's what he said right there. If you suffer according to the will of God, commit your soul to him in doing good. Look how he describes himself. As to a faithful creator. That's the God that we serve. He is faithful. He created this world, he's sustaining this world, and he allows events in our life. And he says, if you're going through this, I still want you to glorify me. I want you to have the right kind of attitude. I want you to do the right kind of thing. Whether you're a teenager or a senior, you know, you go through situations and circumstances and, you know, like, why am I going through this? I don't know, but here's what God wants you to do. Bring him glory. Still bring him glory no matter what you are dealing with because he is the faithful creator. Have you ever had circumstances come up in your lives and situations? Uh, quite a few years ago, on Easter Sunday, our families got together, all my immediate family and stuff, and we were just having a great time. Until, because of a serious accident, my family ended up in the hospital, one of my kids, for over a two-week period. And as a dad, man, I I just was good at beating myself up. Why didn't I uh, see this situation? Why wasn't I more protective? Why didn't I deal with this situation? You know, those what-ifs in life that are just very destructive. There's probably some situations uh, in your life that you've looked back, what, what if I hadn't have done that? Or what if I had done this? Or you're looking ahead, what if this event happens to me? Or what if this doesn't come about one day? All those what-ifs, and the what-ifs are so destructive in our life. And we have to look to the faithful creator. During these times of suffering, maybe you have a teenager that's rebelling. Maybe you're having some marriage problems or there are financial difficulties. You're blaming someone else or someone else is blaming you, and you're looking at your life and regret, and rarely do these things help. God says, I want you to turn to the faithful creator. Why? Because God is faithful. 
from the beginning of the Bible, God is faithful. When he created this world, God was faithful. When he put Adam and Eve in a garden, he was faithful. When they messed up, he was faithful. All the way through forming the nation of Israel and the covenants and the promises that God has. And he still has unconditional promises to that little nation, the Jewish people. All the way through the New Testament, we see God is faithful. And as we talk about Palm Sunday and Jesus coming on a donkey and we see his faithfulness ultimately going to the cross. But in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 says this. Jesus is going to come back and he's not going to be on a donkey. And I saw heaven open, John wrote. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. He's trustworthy. When Jesus comes back one day, what is the name that he has? Faithful. It's interesting to me. It's not going to say holiness. He's coming in judgment as it goes on to say. It doesn't say a God of love. It doesn't say a good God, long-suffering, merciful, compassionate. It doesn't even say justice. It says the faithful and true God. At the end of the Bible, God said, hey, I want you to know I'm always faithful. God doesn't do everything that we wanted him to do, but he never promised he was going to do all those things that we wanted him to do. But he will fulfill every promise that he said he would. There's loads of prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled through his first coming. And those that haven't been fulfilled yet will take place from now into his second coming. Why? Because God is faithful. I just want you to remember that you can trust God. If you've never trusted in him for salvation, Jesus died for you. He wants you to have eternal life. Maybe you grew up in church here. You know about Jesus. You could quote John 3:16, but you're not certain that when you die that you'll go to heaven. Trust him today. God is faithful. He loves you so much that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And you need to call on him. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. Pray a prayer. Something like that. Just accept him by faith in your heart. Not the words I say, but you just talking to God. The faithful God. If you are saved and there's some things in your life you know that aren't making God happy. Don't just lean on his grace. Oh, he's going to forgive me. He's going to forgive me. No, he's also just. Judgment begins at the house of God. God wants you to do the right thing. And if you've fallen, he's there to pick you back up. And sometimes he's got to pick us up and he's got to give us a spanking, but he wants to clean us up and get us back on the right track. God knows how to get our attention, not as a, a mean, in, a vindictive God, but as our loving Heavenly Father. He wants to correct us. That's how much he loves us. And what about some other people in your life? Next Sunday's Easter. If you're online, who can you invite to join you online? You can subscribe to our YouTube page or go on uh, Facebook and, and share that with some other people. Invite people that aren't ready to, to uh, join us live. Or if you're here live, who is it that you can invite? A family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody you go to school or play a sport with? Invite them to church next week. 
come to our 9 o'clock, our mass service, our, our 1030 uh, service where, where you're allowed to make that decision. But just join us and invite somebody that people can know about the faithful God, the God that forgives us. He's there during times of temptation. He's there during our failure, and he's there during the deepest, darkest trials of our life. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Maybe you're in need of comfort. God's grace today. And I can promise you that he will give it to you for this reason. God is faithful to his word. And he wants to provide grace to the humble. And if we ask for wisdom, he said he would give it to us. So what do you need from God today? Oh, it's not a new position at work. It's not finances. It's not hoping you were married or wishing you weren't. But look into God's word. Faith comes by hearing. What is the biblical promise that God wants to speak to your heart? He wants to prove himself real. I just think of Malachi 3 where God says, you know what, if you put me first in your finances, you can prove me. You can put me to the test. I will be faithful. I'll bless you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God said, I'll provide for you. Uncertain about some decisions? Trust the faithful God. You got some failures going in your life? We all do. Confess it today. Dear God, I agree with you that this is sin, that this is not wise, that this is not healthy in my life. God, renew my mind, change my heart, guide my path. And friend, if you're not saved, call upon him now. Admit your sin and trust in the cross of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Ask him to forgive you. And whatever you do, with the attitude of our heart, the way we speak as we leave this building, the decisions we make in our home or at work right now, we worship you. We glorify you. Dear God, you are the faithful God. Help us to be faithful like you. In Jesus' name.